I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. You already know Rebel Radio is supported by Finn. Man, I've been using Finn now for several months, and I can't even tell you the hours that it saved me. Finn is your virtual personal assistant on demand as you need it, when you need it, where you need it. Uh, you can get them through their website, their email. You can call them, text, uh, any way you want. And, and what I like about Finn is um, they'll send me suggestions for things that they might be able to do for me. Sometimes I'm not thinking of, of things that I could outsource. Uh, they'll send me a note and make it easy for me. Just respond and say, yeah, let's do that. It, it's great. Um, you know, I, I'd rather spend my time building my business, hanging out with friends and family, doing whatever I love instead of all these different tasks that need to get done, but they might not need to get done by me. So I let Finn do them and I go on with my business. Go to Finn.com and uh, use the code REBEL. I'm going to give you a special discount just for listening to the Rebel Radio Show. Finn.com slash Rebel. You get a free trial of Finn. That's Finn.com slash Rebel and you can try Finn for free. This is Stevan Norton. You're listening to Rebel Radio with Gorilla One. Fuck you, Josh. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh? Rebel Radio is going down. What did you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. What's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the weekly show where I talk to the rebels that are shaping youth culture. We find out how they do it, why they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show to bring you new music every week from our friends over at EDM.com. Name is Josh Levine. I'm your host. And this week we're back with the Artwork Rebels series in partnership with Gorilla One and my co-host, my man, Eddie Donaldson. Our guest today in studio with us is the one and only Esteban Oreo. Esteban is an incredibly talented photographer, uh, filmmaker. He's involved in streetwear, design. Uh, this dude is multi-talented, known all over the world for his photographs, not only of famous people, but also of street culture, gang life. Um, He really digs digs in deep, and we're going to talk about that with him. 
We also have some amazing lessons from Esteban about working with your heroes. And uh, I don't want to spoil it for you, but I would say what to do when things don't go according to plan. Great, great stories coming up on Rebel Radio after the EDM.com track of the week. You know, I'll be perfectly honest, man. I don't really give a fuck how they feel about it. We do this shit for real. Every single day. Every single night. We in there. We on it. Grinding. Hustling. Getting it. And if you can't wrap your head around that mentality, I can't fuck with you. It's born out music. It's sloth syndrome. We burn this shit down. Let's get it. Tell a nigga I'm the wrong nigga you should fuck with today Walk into the club and all the bottle bitches start to whisper hooray See me in the kitchen, cook it up, watch it rise like a souffle When I'm out in Paris, all these chickens wanna ask me voulez couché For real though, I'm just the king of this shit with my weirdos I meditate so my vision is in clear mode Lyricism is reminiscent of Nas here though Now they wanna hear more black ice dripping from my earlobes So the sound slide and it crashes Yo, that was Born Eye Music and Sloth Syndrome with Hooray, the EDM.com track of the week. If you like that one, get over to EDM.com, check out more new music. And now let's get into the interview with Esteban Oriol. Doesn't really matter what promoter's talking, I just want to know who pays. Y'all know I'm blessing till you almost lose your life and get a brand new day. You guys remember how you met? I remember how we met. Yeah. Uh, I was friends with Danny Boy from House of Pain. He was like, yo, we're going on this tour with Biohazard and Corn. Want you to come along? I was like, okay, cool. So we jumped in this little mini, this little white van at 8 in the morning, 7.30 in the morning. And we pull up to this building on Las Palmas and Waring, right down the street. And Esteban runs down with his luggage and jumps in the van. That's the first time I ever met Esteban. Nice. What, what year was that? 92, 93? 92, probably. Yeah, Neighbor of the Beast was the name of the tour. Oh, okay. Jesus. And I was basically his <laughs> his assistant for the most part. Is that right? Well, yeah, like, go do this, go do that. You know, he didn't want me to do too much because I wasn't all that capable. What's that he like as an assistant? He's cool. Like, uh, you know, when you have somebody that wants to do something, it's cool, like, the, yeah. when they want to learn. Yeah. Because... Um, like between Cypress and House of Pain, they because I tour managed House of Pain for three years, mm-hmm. 92, 93, 94. Then I switched over to Cypress Hill, 94 to 2005. And um, we went through, the cool thing about them is they gave all their homies jobs. Mm-hmm. So like with House of Pain, we had a guy who we were teaching him how to do lights. Um, we Domo? Had Domo, yeah. We had, you know, Eddie, I was teaching him how to, you know, do the whole tour managing type thing and yeah. merchandise thing. And there's just so many elements to a tour manager people don't know about that I I probably wouldn't have taken the job if I knew it was <laughs> sure. that much. You know? yeah, yeah. Like when uh, Muggs hired me, he was like, yo, you just got to, you know, take the guys to their um, interviews and uh-huh. make sure they get to the hotels and the airports on time. And, you know, it should be pretty easy. <laughs> like the first couple weeks it was like that you know yeah and we just were doing a promo tour we were in a white van and we drove around the east coast 
and we had a lady from uh, Tommy Boy Records, and she took us to all the college radio shows and did little, you know, studio interviews like this. Mm -hmm. And then Jump Around blew up and it was over. Get up, pack it in, let me begin. I came to win, battle me, that's a sin. I won't ever slack up, punk, you better back up. Try and play the role and you're the whole crew will act up. Get up, stand up, you know, and Then we went yeah. to the Prevo, you know, tour buses and and we were flying and we were doing three shows in a night in a limousine. Like we they had a, a dat which played the music as um, seven minutes long as the intro and jump around. Mm -hmm. And we'd go to different Spots clubs each night yeah. and knock that out like three times a night. Crazy. So when you take homies out on the road, it's like, it's a cool vibe because, you know, they're your friends. Mm -hmm. And you're starting out in the beginning. But once you get, you know, into the big times and the big, you know, arenas or stadiums and stuff like that, it's like you see kind of where the professional, you know, tour guy comes into play. You know, you're yeah. like changes a little bit. Yeah, all everything changes. You're like, oh shit, you know, this is the big boys. You know. Yeah. And you know, if you have guys like Eddie, you know, that are smart and they want to learn, then it's easy to to adapt to that. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. there's some homies that just want to smoke weed. Of course. They want to hang fuck out. Fuck bitches and you know just live the high life but not do any work yeah. and we went through about 50 of them i'm sure and uh you know they would come and go and yeah. someone would go crazy on the road and like literally lose it yeah. get sent home early yeah get sent home early um get beat up and just all kinds of shit it mm -hmm. was weird like i don't know touring touring affects people in different ways and traveling with a tight group, of course, and, yeah, in tight quarters, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was fun, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed nothing about it. Nice. Well, I got some questions about that, but I want to, I want to go back and kind of start at the beginning and how you got even to that point. Mm -hmm. um, so I always like to start with. Um, do, you, do you remember the first record you ever bought? No. Mm -mm. Cause I've bought thousands of them, yeah. and I've got gotten given to me thousands of records. So I have no idea of the first record I ever bought. But because when I was growing up, there was like on the KDAY there was mm -hmm. a Mixmaster show, and uh, KJLH they they went on to that later, mm -hmm. and we didn't buy records really. Sure, we would. Um, tape the shows yeah, yeah we'd get a cassette tape and tape like oh you know what are you doing tonight oh i'm going to this party what are you doing tonight i'm gonna stay home and and tape the mixmaster show yeah. kdaY and I'm like what well, let me get a copy when it's done I'm like nah cool you, know, <laughs> you can hear it when you're rolling with me but i'm not gonna sit at home and make copies for everybody when you guys are out partying and that's right shit. so that's funny that's, that's kind of how we we used to listen to music you know yeah and other friends would give you a tape like if you made a tape and you know i didn't make it that night you know to tape mine like we would trade it's mm -hmm. kind of like mm -hmm. the same as like trading um baseball cards back then you know we yeah. trade mixtapes and music and stuff and it wasn't until later when i got uh like turntables that i started buying records and 
by then it was there's no way I could remember. Were you DJing? Yeah, I DJed a, a couple like um, a couple. I used to work with uh, Mike Messix, uh-huh. and I was like his assistant, and uh, you know I would carry all his equipment in and yeah. with him and you know set him up, and we would DJ at like uh, bar mitzvahs, uh, fraternity parties, uh-huh. clubs, like every weddings, <clears throat> everything you could imagine DJing at. Sure. We did it, and um, so you know that's kind of how I learned how to do the DJing thing. He would tell me, "Hey man, you know, you go ahead. I want to. I'm gonna go eat and take yeah. a break." Like, yeah, cool, no problem. So yeah, I would DJ there, and then like uh, I would DJ some uh, after hours clubs, and then you know later in life I w- I would be DJing. I would be standing for mugs mm-hmm. and um, DJing during the Cypress Hill sets from, I think, 95, 96, 97. Okay. And um, that was crazy, you know, because, like, like, everybody goes, ah, oh, you know, it's not really DJing because, you know, you're pushing right. the DAT machine or the, the sure. sampler, I forget what it's called, the 360 sampler that they have at the radio show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But... You have to scratch and play mm-hmm. music in between, like yeah, during the choruses, the and you, you, yeah. you know, you have to play music in between uh, songs while yep. B's talking and shit like that, and you fuck up on one of those things, and like 20,000 people hear your fuck up, yeah. and like the whole shit stops, right. you know? Yeah. I've seen it happen like a gang of times when there was like malfunctions in the mm-hmm. DAT play or something like that, and everybody would be like, oh, you know, look at uh, his fucking turntable turned off. And it's like, no, the dad player turned off because of the condensation in the club. Yeah. And now we're all fucked. And the reason why they wouldn't play records on every show, you know, every concert uh, during hip-hop is because, one, the band would be jumping around mm-hmm. and the yeah. needle would just go flying everywhere. Yep. Two, they didn't make instrumentals for every single song. So they had to have it on dats mm-hmm. and on those 360 samplers, and it was just you know that was part of the show. But um, I forgot what the question. Yeah, the records. But uh, before that, I was uh, working at clubs doing um, like security doorman mm-hmm. and VIP list guy. At nighttime, I was doing construction during the day. Okay. And that's how I met everybody in the music game, working yeah. at the clubs. You know, Cypress Hill, Booyah Tribe, Ice-T, Syndicate, Family, you know, Everlast. Pretty much all the L.A. local bands I met because, you know, I was working at the club and everybody used to go out back then. Mm-hmm. And everybody was in the same club. There was no, really, like, no VIP section. There was no bottle service. Right. Like people yeah, yeah, would, yeah, everybody was there together. If you bought champagne, it was a hundred dollars because right. that's what it cost at the liquor store. Sure, you buy a hundred dollar bottle of Dom Perignon. Yeah, you would be drinking it at the side of the dance floor, watching girls dance, mm-hmm. or you would be drinking it at the bar with your homies. Yeah. There was none of this like you know, table service and bar service and bottle service and girls in bikinis with you know fireworks walking through the club. <laughs> Just like everybody I mean, go to the club, have drinks, yeah, hang out with, you know, cool people yeah. and you know, 
we everybody would go to the after party after mm -hmm. up in Hollywood Hills and mm -hmm. you know somebody's mansion or yeah it was a way different time but it was to me it was cooler you know I mean it's so crazy how much all that has changed and even what you're talking about before with the mixtapes like this um, idea that music was scarce that we had to find stuff where you had to ask somebody yeah. or whatever like that just is so different than the way life is today yeah like, like I heard like before you know DJ AM you know rest in peace when people would be DJing at a club here in LA they would go and Shazam yeah. his set list that's right and then DJ that at a club here and I was like that's so fucking scandalous you know that's worse than like bootlegging uh -huh. somebody's clothing line yeah. you know cause like you know, you're bootlegging a t-shirt or something and selling it, like, you're a piece of shit, you know? Mm -hmm. But you're, like, a DJ in that night and he's doing his thing off of his, you know, his vibe and everything, like, in, in that night, it's like, that's a, some cold shit right there. You just go and shazam it and play that at your club, act like, you know, you came up with that shit. <laughs> that's, like, yeah, I mean, crazy I, shit I, to me. You know, there's always going to be people copying... And, you yeah. know, same way, I can go grab a camera and try to shoot what you shoot, but it's not yeah. going to be then we put a We put a Vaughn on your, under your name. <laughs> it could be the Josh Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then you end up on the road, mm -hmm. touring the world. Yep. And, and is, um, so at that point, I know, I know your, your dad was an artist, photographer, mm -hmm. but you weren't thinking that that was going to be your career path. Yeah, I never thought of it, not even for, like, the first probably five years that I was even shooting, you know, because yeah. my dad always pushed me to arts, you know. He always used to, like, I was raised by my mom, but my dad, I would get, you know, the summers and the holidays with him. Mm -hmm. And so he would always take me to, like, museums and art galleries and, like, cool shit that I wasn't really seeing sure. when I was living with my mom because it was more like a day-to-day, -day, you know, yeah. life, you know? Yeah. Excuse me. So my dad uh, gave me a camera, and he was like, hey, man, you live this cool lifestyle. Like, one minute you're on tour of Cypress Hill or House of Pain, and then you're in East L.A. building your lowrider with your car club. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah. I, yeah, I guess it's pretty cool. And then he goes, you should, you know, take pictures of it, document it. And I was like, yeah, okay, you know, because back then, to me, photographers were like professionals, yeah. paparazzis or tourists. Right. And I didn't really see myself being any of those three, you know. Yeah, like, yeah it was hard to feel cool with a camera in your hand yeah, at that Yeah, it was point. real difficult to feel. Yeah cool with the camera even nowadays you know is that right for me it's kind of embarrassing like walking around with the camera you know hopefully you're used to it by now mm -mm. really yeah no and it's kind of weird like invite you know asking people to take their pictures but you know you have to like push yourself or else um you won't get it you know sure and i always ask people you know for the most part i'm i'm always being respectful and ask people like hey can i get a shot of you you know yeah whatever and um you know some people just walk up in your grill and take flicks and like to me that's not cool sure and especially like paparazzis you know like that's the worst like that's the lowest of the low like for a photographer like yeah you're just like like a, a like you know one of those uh 
little fish that swim with the sharks uh-huh. or the whales. You're just like one of them, just like on their shit, you know? Yeah. And I, I just like, I trip out on people that they would want to chase people around the city and like, you know, fucking damn near crash into them just to get a shot of them driving their it's a weird SUV, thing. you know? Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Like, as a person, I want to see good pictures of the mm-hmm. celebrities, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to see them looking all shot out with a fucking, their muffin top hanging over their fucking shorts or their pants walking right. through the, you know, Walmart parking lot, you know, shopping, you know? Yeah. I already know they go shopping. I know they take shits and I know they have, you know, periods or whatever the uh-huh. fuck, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I don't want to see every moment of somebody's life, you know? I want to see them like that fucking superstar, you know? Yeah. Like, back in the day when we were doing the House of Pain thing and House of Pain was blowing up, Danny was like at every club, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'd tell him, hey, Holmes, you know, like go to just, don't don't go out too much, you know? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you want to still be that, you know, House That's of Pain mystery. guy, you know? Yeah. If you're out every every night, then everybody's just like, oh, that's just homeboy from, the, you know, like no big deal, you know? Right. But it's kind of like when you're in that kind of like industry, like entertainment, you kind of have to keep some shit like, you know, like a mystery, like mm-hmm. you said, and mm-hmm. not just be out there so much so that it's more like, you know, special to the yeah to your people, you know, when, when they do see you. Yeah. So when, when did you realize that that was going to be... Your, your living. I would say around nineteen. I would say around nineteen ninety nine or two thousand is when I started feeling like confident mm-hmm. that I was doing good shit. Cause I was taking a lot of pictures, and I I thought they were good pictures, and I thought they were cool, and I thought my videos were cool, and. I was like, yeah, I do some cool stuff, but then when there was other people reacting to my stuff, that's when I realized, like, fuck, I, I'm onto something, you know, cool. So was there, like, a moment or somebody um, yeah, there woke up? There was a lady named Lisa. She worked at the, she owned the photo lab on La Brea. Mm. It was called the Focus Photo Lab. Yeah, yeah. Next to American Rag. And she told me... You know, I always see you developing your pictures, but I never see you blow any of them up. And uh, why? how come you don't blow any of them up? And I was like, for what? You know, what am I going to do with some 16 by 20 photos of my stuff? Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, can I try it and just put them for sale here? And I was like, yeah, you know, because there was big time guys like Helmut Newton and yeah. these other huge photographers that were in the like kind of like in the entrance of the photo lab that was they used kind of like as a gallery and um, I sold eight out of the 11 pictures and she was like I've never sold that many photos of anybody's stuff and I've had big people here and I was like oh okay cool so she goes I think you're on to something you know you should stick to this and I was like wow man the fucking lady at the photo lab is telling me that I do good shit and she sees the best of the best like Maybe I should, you know, do it a little bit more. And because uh, there was a lot of times where I missed out on photo opportunities because I didn't really like give a shit. You know, I was just, I had a camera. I would take a picture if I, 
had time or if I wanted to real bad, but mm -hmm. like I missed shots of, you know, like Tupac and mm -hmm. Easy E, you know, hanging out with them. Like I always thought, oh, I'll just get a picture of them later, you know, another yeah. time. Yeah. Like a magazine will hire me to do a photo shoot of them or some shit like that. Like I didn't really want to bug people, you know, but. Yeah, when I look back at Jamaica House, I wish we would have documented more. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's like, that's the one thing you think your life's never going to end and neither's theirs, and I'm going to see that dude again. Of course. But like Biggie and all that shit, I got like the side of Biggie playing Jamaica House at, at uh, Roxbury. Where's that at? He played Roxbury. No, where's that picture? I got it somewhere at the house. Man, you need to break that out. I do. Yeah, I think we just, you know, being young, you don't think about that. Like you know, I have M I was at Eminem's first show at nice. Unity with yeah. Big B, rest yeah, in peace. Yeah. When he had brown hair and he was a youngster and he was yep. just killing it. Like nobody knew who the fuck they were. They was still kinda of the thing like another white boy trying to rap, you know, and yeah. and he gets on the stage with the Hi, my name is and everybody at first they're looking at him like this white boy and then they're like, Oh fuck, they're bobbing their head and then he just started rapping. By the second time he did the chorus, mm -hmm. everybody, everybody was singing, singing the club. Sure. And like, to be there and that shit and just see that, like, I don't even know if I would have taken a picture right. anyways because I would have been so fucked up by that happening, you know? Yeah. Like, it's very rare that you see somebody come into a club and do their their song for the first time. Yeah, of course. And by the second chorus, the whole club is singing that shit because they're just losing it. Yeah. That, you know, the shit is so dope. Yeah. But I was there that night. I mean, it's an interesting thing, too, you say, because there's a difference between being there as a fan or being there as a photographer. Yeah. Right? And you have to kind of, like, separate yourself Yeah. in order to, like, get the photo or think about documenting it. Yeah, you always have to separate yourself because there's always these times where people are like, you know, like, I see it all the time in the press, like, yeah, fucking this shit was going on and this guy was, the car blew up mm -hmm. in like Afghanistan and there was this two guys pulling this little girl with no legs and mm -hmm. there's a photographer standing there taking pictures. But then you see that picture yeah. in like Time Magazine or yeah. Newsweek or something you're like, fuck, that is an amazing picture. Like, that yeah. is so crazy. How did that guy get that? I was like, well, he had a, to take himself out of being just a human being like carrying human being and running up and helping this little girl that got her legs blown off to being the guy that stood there and took a photo that so that everybody could see it you know yeah. and I've had a few moments like that you know some of them I I did the photographer thing and I took the photos right. and some of them I did the, the people thing and I sure. put the camera down and went and helped out you know yeah but it's hard. I mean, every time I, I probably would have got really sick shots, you know, great shots. But then I, I was thinking, like, I didn't think uh -huh. with my camera. I was thinking with my head and be like, fuck, man, there's somebody needs help. You yeah. know, they're going to die or, you know, they're getting fucked up or something like that. So I had to help out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It's You definitely have to separate yourself. So do you remember... You talk about, like, asking permission to take people's pictures. Do you remember when people started asking you? Mm, to take my picture? No, for you to take their pictures. Because uh, I'm sure now, you, you know, I'm sure people call you. Yeah, I get both. It's weird. Yeah. Like, 
people want to take photos with me. Uh-huh. Like just standing, you know, like yesterday I was with um, Eddie's nephew, Trayvon, mm-hmm. and um, we were on Fairfax and somebody came up and goes, hey man, you're a legend, can I take a photo with you? And like at first that throws you off, you know, you're like, whoa, you know, but then you're like, yeah, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. Because yeah. I've seen people be a dick to people sure. and that shit ain't cool. Only like, time that happens to me is in China. Yeah. People come up. My wife's blonde, and they want to take pictures with her. Yeah, I've never seen a blonde that's person. That's funny. Before. Yeah, <coughs> but um, I don't, I'm not sure. Like the first, because me and Cartoon, because of Cypress Hill. Yeah, and our we are so, you know, deep into that that world that we got to take, you know, got the opportunity to do their um, album packaging and stuff first. Mm-hmm. So. We kind of came out and well, Cartoon had already done a bunch of album cover logos and stuff like that before, but for both of us and for me, it was I kind of did it for my own crew first and then I went out into the world and I had that to show, you know. How'd you guys meet? Me and Cartoon? Yeah. At a penthouse players um, record release party at the Hollywood Athletic Club. Yeah, yeah. I was there. You were? Yeah. My friend uh, Donnie Charles, he you know rest in peace. Rest he in was the uh, hood rat. He was the owner of Hood Rat Records uh-huh. and Hood uh-huh. Rat Car Club, and he was uh, managing WC in the Mad Circle back then. Yeah, yeah. And I managed WC after well, not after him, after Dane Webb. Like two managers later, yeah. I managed WC. And, and, and then, uh, yeah. yeah. And then I, I, um, I used to kick it with Donnie a lot, and. Um, he goes, hey man, come to this uh, record release party with me. And Cartoon had did the logo and like the artwork around the photo, because mm-hmm. he was working with um, Easy E back then. And um, when we walked in, like back at that time, it was mostly you know like hip hop was mostly like a black mm-hmm. you know culture. It was like you go to a, a club with hip hop and y- you'd be you know, one of the few Mexicans or one of the few white guys there. Sure. So when we went to that party, you know, we scanned through the crowd, like right when you walk in. And I remember seeing like a couple of like white dudes to the side that were probably working like, you know, as management or record mm-hmm. label people. And then when we looked like to the left, there was Cartoon. And he goes, hey, there's my other Mexican homie Cartoon, come over here, you know. Yeah. I want to meet, introduce you guys so you can meet each other. He's into low riding too. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. So I went and hung out with Cartoon, and we just hung out the whole night. And then from there, we went to the X-Clan um, show. Mm-hmm. Did you go to that right after? No. It was at Gazari's? Yeah, yeah. So no, I didn't go we just drove down to the, that show. Yeah. And uh, I remember Donnie was going to get into it with somebody. And then me and Cartoon were with him, so... We were like backing him up, you know, and ever since like that that point, like we all three were like kind of you know tighter mm-hmm. and, and like kind of you know had more more respect and love for each other, you know, because sure. you know th- it was like a a group of people and and it was Donnie by himself that knew them, mm-hmm. but because me and Cartoon were like fuck it, you know, we're we're th- we're here with you, homie, you know, yeah. Whatever happens, happens. You know, we'll yeah. we'll just do that shit. And uh, 
he was like, man, you know, like he invited us to his house later on in the mm -hmm. in our friendship. He'd be like, man, you, you two are some of the only two people that know where my house is. I meet all my homies from my hood yeah. at the corner, the gas station. Yeah. I was like, damn, you know, that's cool. He goes, nobody knows where my family lives. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, you know, he, he really trusted us, you know. Yeah. And um, that was pretty cool. And then uh, he got cancer and passed away, and me and Cartoon just kept hanging out real tight. And, you know, 25 years later, you know, we're doing our documentary right now and all that kind of shit documentary about you guys yeah i was just on him but then yeah. the the people that are funding it were like you know we should do it on both of you guys because both of you guys are, are like the story yeah so that's cool okay cool yeah you know nice it's always uh it, it'll be my first uh, directing thing mm -hmm. in like that in the movie world, you know. Mm -hmm. I've done the videos, sure. done other jobs in movies, but never directed because the you know the Hollywood thing is always like, well, you know, we we don't have uh, give first time directors that much money, right. you know, for, to do a movie, you know. Of course. So we're gonna have this director do it, and you can consult them, but mm -hmm. it's like pretty much you doing everything and he's right. just saying you know okay action he just, he, you know he gets the credit the yeah gets a check that's right and so this is probably the f the the best way for me to get into the directing game in the movie world yeah that's funny you know i rented a lowrider off cartoon 94 yeah for a for a uh, cover for album cover shoot what was it for bosco Oh shit! Um, it was a six four. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got it somewhere. Was, uh, it, was it blue with the white the top? No, it was like. Oh shit! I want to say it was like red or brown. Okay. I don't know if it was his car. Or he just no. He hooked it up. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably somebody from our car club. Yeah, yeah. And what club is that? Back then, it was lifestyle. Lifestyle. You can see it in the in yeah, the, photo, the back window, the little plaque. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. Now we have Pegasus Car Club. Yeah, been doing that for a couple of years. Hey, if you're digging this one, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. Check out some of our other artwork Rebels episodes. We had a great one. Uh, I think it was last year with Slick, who's one of the. Uh, really foundational artists of the LA graffiti scene. He had some great stories from back in the day and some, some great uh, things to tell us about what he's doing today and how he's made that career last over the decades. Go back and check out Slick on Rebel Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. So what do you think you learned from, I mean, you're, you're talking about like life on the road and all that. What do you think you learned from the, from being a tour manager that you then took into to your photography well I learned you know pretty much my whole life from doing that because I mean I learned um, you know setting up tour arrangements like traveling yeah. uh, advancing the shows dealing with the money from the shows doing the counting in the merchandise counting out the merchandise mm -hmm. doing the you know um, doing the the accounting with the merchandising people um, 
you know, dealing with the bus people. You learned a little patience, The too, bus right? drivers. You know, that I'm this sorry. is all the shit that you learn yeah, outside sure. of the band and the crew, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, like, that's just, like, you learn how to be, like, a mom, a dad, a therapist, <laughs> a brother, a fucking, you know, everything. Yeah. Like, there's so much that I learned <coughs> from doing that job that I applied to my life. You know, like, as far as photography, I mean, I used to set up the press. Mm -hmm. So the record label would fax me uh, a press schedule and say, hey, these four people want to come to the show and interview right. the band. You have to set it up with the times and everything. So I would tell the band, hey, you know, the label sent me these many interviews. When do you guys want to do them? You know, before sound check, after sound check, before dinner, after dinner, be, you know, before the show or after the show. They go, well, set it up in between uh, sound check and dinner. So I go, okay, we got an hour set up each um, interview, 15 minutes each, and I'd bring them in and, you know, hey, there's a band, blah, blah, blah. they do their interview, okay, you guys gotta go, next group come in. But I always noticed a photographer would get fucked on those, because yeah. it was like, the interviewer would wanna talk, you know, and get the story. Right. And he'd just be so, like, intrigued and sure. talking to the band, he's like, you know, so what about this and what about that? And meanwhile, the, talks, the clock's just ticking. And I'm going like, fuck, this poor photographer, he's got like two minutes to do a photo shoot. Right. And, yeah, no uh, and they would do it, and sometimes the pictures would come out whack, and sometimes yeah. they'd come out like, damn, you know, he did that in five minutes? That's pretty good. So I learned that from watching those guys, you know? Like, sometimes with these famous people, you only get five minutes. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's all you need. Like, I did a shoot with um, uh, Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, for the Righteous Kill mm -hmm. uh, movie packaging. And the first day, first of all, they didn't want us to do the job because they were like, when they came to us, they came to us for a cartoon to do a, a skateboard collabo with Rob Deerdick because okay. he was in the in the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, I told Cartoon and, and like our manager that we were working with at that time, I was like, hey, you know, we should try and do the, um, the movie poster. They're like, nah, they never give it to us, you know. Like, they just called us to do the skateboard. I was like, man, we need to do that movie poster. Like, we need to at least try, you know. And our manager guy was like, nah, you know, like, you're tripping, you know. Like, we need to just do the skateboard and get the check and keep it moving. Yeah. So I told Toon, I was like, Toon, we've fucking been watching Al Pacino and Robert De Niro movies for our whole life seen some of them like a hundred times each like just tell them at the meeting you know just see what they say mm -hmm. and they go oh well that sounds great but we already shot the movie poster and you know um but if you guys want to do like a comp uh movie poster you know maybe we'll give you the photos and you could draw it and you know do the movie poster like that because at that time shepherd fairy had just done one for the johnny cash movie mm -hmm. And he had done like an alternative yeah. marketing thing, which was the, you know, art movie poster. So they said, if you want to try and do something like that, that's cool. So they we got the pictures and they were horrible. Like the, all the photos of them were just sure. garbage. So Cartoon was like, can I tell you something? And the movie company's like, yeah, what's that? And they're like, these pictures are horrible. Like, please, let me just get my homie in there to do some pictures and... 
and we'll kill it, you know, because he knows what I need. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's funny you say that. You know, a couple other people that saw the photos, they said the same thing. But, you know, there's no way to get them together. So there's like a Monday and a, like a Monday and a Wednesday that we're doing this reshoot. You mm -hmm. could try it then. So it was Monday. I went there. I was sitting there for eight hours. And they had me bring it. They had me come in. They're like, hey, where's that photographer guy? He needs to shoot a picture for the movie poster. And the guys bring me over and they go, okay, here's uh, Robert De Niro. And I was like, hey, how you doing, sir? You know, like fucking one of my big time sure. like idols. I was like nervous as fuck. And I, I, hey, how you doing, sir? You know, let me get this shot. He goes, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. And then the actress was there and he goes, here, come here, get in the shot with me, you know. But in my head, I was like, fuck, you know, that's not the movie poster, right. you know. I had to shoot <laughs> Robert De Niro and Al Pacino yeah, and then, yeah. like, Photoshop them together. He's fucking up the program. So he grabs the girl and brings her in there, and I shoot, like, three or four frames. I'm like, okay, great, thank you. You know, now back to the shot. And so the director comes up and goes, hey, so did you get the shot? That was great, right? Shot, you know, Robert De Niro for this. And I was like... Yeah, but it's not what I need. He goes, what do you mean? I go, well, you know what movie posters look like, right? Yeah. I go, it's Al Pacino, Robert De Niro. And I go, and he brings a girl. And I'm like, what am I going to, what yeah. do I do? He goes, well, can't you Photoshop her out? I go, you know, like, come on, man. Like, I'm not a fucking magician, you know? <laughs> and the light was horrible. Like, the lighting was yeah. set for them sitting down on the couch. Right, so right. they had the lighting, like, at a low angle. Yeah. And if you stand up and you shoot a light like this up into somebody's face, it's the worst lighting ever. Yeah. It's like the most horrible lighting is shooting up into their face. Like their face just looks disgusting. <laughs> so those photos were like garbage, you know? And I was like, fuck, man, what am I going to do? So I was there for eight hours and I was just waiting because I had these two walls. There was a black wall and a gray wall where they met, kind of like right here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, if I get them outside this door, there was like overcast day, it was perfect light, no shadows. I, I'm gonna shoot them on the black wall, I'm gonna shoot them on the light gray wall, and it's it's a wrap, I'm, I got it. The fucking sun goes down. And I was like, man, I can't even do this shoot. I was telling my guy, you know, that I, that I work with, Marco, I was like, man, they fucked it up. You know, they could have just gave me five minutes and just let me shoot this guy. Like, it would have been like so quick. Yeah. He goes, well, you know, what can you do? let's get out of here it's you know it's too it's done so i was like fuck man i go i get in the car and there's an email to like 60 people in the movie company and all everybody i don't know who the fuck was on there and it said esteban oriel did not get the shot today so we're just gonna go with cartoon drawing the the from the photos that we got and that was like the most like like my name was shining yeah. so yeah, yeah. big and so bright right there. I was just like, and it just said like, Esteban Oriol fucked up. You know, like that's how I saw it in my head. And it was just like fucking like went out on like the bat, yeah, the yeah. Batman light across the sky. You know, with all those names of like big time people and heads of these fucking people. I was like, I called my wife and I go, hey man, this motherfuckers had me sitting there like Willy Lump Lump, you know, for, eight hours like don't they know who I think I am you know they fucking shit on me over there and she goes well what are you gonna do I go well, there's nothing I can do I'm fucked it's over and she goes well, wait a minute like 
isn't this the guy that, you know, when you shot Dennis Hopper, you said, if I shot Robert De Niro or Al Pacino, I could quit after that? I go, yeah, that's, that's right, I said that. And she goes, so you were standing next to your, like, dream photo shoot for eight hours and you didn't do shit. You didn't get the shot. And, and I go, no. And she goes, man, you need to call them motherfuckers up and tell them you'll be there tomorrow yeah. and you're going to get that shot. And I go, I can't do that, you know? Like, you can't just fucking call up the movie company and Robert De Niro and say, hey, I didn't get the shot, you know, come tomorrow. Yeah. And she goes, man, she goes, I thought I was with, you know, you're sounding real pussy. You're sounding real pussy right now, you know? I was like... I love your wife, man. Yeah. She, I wanted to just punch her through the phone, you know? <laughs> I was like, fuck, man. She, You know, they, the wives always have a way to, like, just stick the knife in real That's slow right. and just, like, take it up, you know? And I was like, fuck, man. I go, fuck it, you know? I got mad and I hung up and then I called my boy Marco and I go, hey, Marco tell them that we're going to come tomorrow and take the shot. He goes, oh, no, you you didn't get it. It's like, we're not, it's over. Yeah. Didn't you see the email? I go, yeah, I saw the fucking email. Call them up and say, hey, Esteban didn't get the shot, but we're going to come tomorrow and he's going to get it. Yeah. And he goes, and I go, and don't ask them. Yeah. If you say, hey, can Esteban come and get the shot? They're going to be like, nope. Right. Tell them, hey, Esteban wasn't able to get it, but tomorrow we're going to get it. And they go, he calls him up and he goes, yeah, Stephen didn't get the shot, but tomorrow he's going to come in and, you know, sh do it again. And they go, oh, that's great. Well, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro will both be there on that day. And I was like, well, fuck, well, why did I have to do the Monday this guy and the Wednesday this guy if they're both going to be there on Tuesday, you know? Incredible. So I go there on Tuesday. I'm there six hours, and I'm like, you know, sitting out there. It's cold in Culver City. Okay. And fucking... Um, the lady goes, hey, where's the photographer guy? And I go, I'm right here, right here. They go, okay, get ready. They're going to come through this door in about a couple minutes. I go, okay, I'm ready. And right when I said, I'm ready, the door busts open. And there's those two guys in the front and like 30 people behind them. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, managers, hairstylists, attorneys, lawyers, accountants, everything. And I was like, oh, fuck, you know, they're both here. So I went up to them again and I you know Robert De Niro hey I know you're you know one of your old daughters your stepdaughters uh, you know Dre, Dre and uh, Mare and um, he's like, oh okay cool like that was like the icebreaker with yeah. him and then I told um, Al Pacino hey I was gonna shoot you before at Harry Dean Stanton's birthday party you know but you know they said you had left by the time you know they had got it arranged he goes oh yeah yeah you were there that night and that was a icebreaker with him yeah. then I shot like one roll of it that film had 10 frames on it and then another roll of like five and they go okay thank you and they start clapping and they took them away and I was like but I, you know like I still have half a roll you know and um, I, I drove that film to the to the lab and I go I, I gotta watch you guys develop this like yeah. I gotta make sure <laughs> that that I got the shot because I put so much on it like this you know, I was ready to kamikaze, yeah. you know, my lowrider off a fucking cliff if I didn't. I get in there and they, like, I just see the shit coming up and I was like, I got it. You know, I called the, my boys and I was like, hey man, I got the shot. They're like, you did? What do you, you know, like, what? I go, I got a shot. And we, we did the mock-up poster and they used that for the whole campaign. 
Amazing. They use it for all the buses, the bus benches, the the billboards, and the DVD. Mm -hmm. And they cut the check. And <laughs> they cut the check. Man, I, your wife is my hero. Yeah. She's dope. Because I think it was, it's, it's what you said at the beginning. It's like not knowing that you can't do something. Yeah. You know? And that's what it takes. We talk about that all the time. Eddie's great at that. Yeah. He doesn't know all the shit he's not supposed to be doing. That's right. So he yeah. gets it done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you need somebody on your team that'll push you and yeah. not sugarcoat shit. You don't need a bunch of yes men around. Yeah. You know, she could have easily been one of those, you know, soft, caring, loving wives. Yeah. Oh, it was like, too bad, man. Oh, come on, baby. baby I got to you know, make you some I'll soup. I'll rub your feet yeah, and that's right. fucking, you know. Not angel. She's like, motherfucker, don't come home unless you get that picture. I'm fucking no. <laughs> no, she was she was cool though, you know. Like yeah. that's what it took for me to think of a way yeah. to get that, you know. Be yeah. like, okay, I can't just, you know, be like, you know, hey, motherfuckers, or you know, you gotta like yeah, sure. be real strategic and be like, let's do it this way and not this way because this way they might. Yeah. You know, they might say no if we do it. You but know. I also love what you said about not asking. That's what I mean. Because right? people want, I, we talk about this all the time, people want leadership. Yeah. Whether they think they do or not, whether they realize it, they want somebody to say, hey, this is how it's going to go. Yeah. I got this. And they don't have to worry be about it. be happy with the end result. Let yeah. me do my thing. But if you ask them, yeah, now they're in charge. Yeah. And they're going to make the wrong decision. I learned a lot about that on the road with with Esteban because I'd be like, he'd be like, hey, go over here and get the catering guy to do this. And right. I'd come back and be like, they, they don't have it. He's like, I didn't tell you to go over and ask them if they got it. Yeah. Told them you to go over and they get it. Like yeah. Heineken's. We'd show up to a show, there'd be no Heineken's. He'd be right. like, fuck it, they got to go to the store. If right. the bar don't sell it, go to the store. That's right. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, how am I going to? He goes, I don't know, man, just go do it. And then finally I was like, hey, Need you to go to the store and get some Heinekens, or we're not fucking doing a show. Yeah. Straight up. Hey, I'm not having Eric show up and there's no Heinekens in the dressing room. Yeah. You don't have it, go to the store and get it. And they'd be like, oh shit, great idea. And then they'd run and get it. We're not sponsored by Heineken. You got to cut all that out. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, no, that's right. Though. But that's how, you know, you, you have to kind of do that shit when yeah. you're on the road. And you don't have to be a dick about it. Yeah. You know, you could just, you could be demanding, but still be cool and respectful to the people. Because yeah. some people are like straight up dicks and the guy's like, fuck you. Yeah. You know, and you never can go back and play at their right. venue again. Yeah. They'll be like, hey. It's it, the right balance, right? Because you yeah. got to make people want to help you. If you're too soft, they don't care. And They'll if you come over. at them too yeah. hard, they don't. Yeah. They work against you. Yep. Yeah. We've seen it all. Yeah, I'm sure. What are you? Um, so you're known for celebrities and then street culture. Mm -hmm. What's the similarity with those two? Um, they're all just people, yeah. and you have to get their uh, get them to feel comfortable and get them to do what you want them to do to get the good shot. You know. Yeah. And everybody, you just pretty much talk to them the same way. You know, you don't, um, like, I'm not those do those kind of guys that are like, yeah, turn your head around, you know, do this, do that, you know, right. all kinds of weird shit. And yeah. just have people doing, like, head spins and putting their hands on their face or anything like that. I pretty much just shoot them how they are. Yeah. And, like, I'll give somebody a little direction if I see, like, the sun's not hitting them right or they're they're like putting their chin down and you can see like this fat or something here i'll yeah. tell them hey stick your chin out a little bit towards me and 
you know, give them that, that definition there, you know. Mm -hmm. So I always try and make people look their best and without making them look goofy and, you know, acting like idiots, you know. I, I see it on so many photo shoots. I'm like, man, that's like embarrassing for the for us photographers, you sure. know. They got them doing all this weird shit. But I guess that's what works for them, you know. Yeah. That's why they got that job and yeah, I did yeah. it. Um, and then I know you do a lot of work with brands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we had opportunity on the Scion stuff to work together. I know we worked with Cartoon, but I think um, I remember you shot this uh, mm. this day right after Scion came out. We with did all a, of them. Yeah, we did a party for like the first people to buy Scions. Yeah. And then uh, was it like two hundred and fifty or two hundred fifty like cars? People yeah. brought their own thing, and we had DJs and food and drinks or whatever. Was it? it was at the... Uh, like in Orange County? Yeah, at El Toro, at the old army uh, military base. Nice. It's a huge, you know, field. Airfield. Yeah. And then we had to step on up on a scaffolding, trying to get the shot. The clients, we were, had to rein the clients in a little bit. Yeah. Um, that shit was crazy. Yeah. But it came out great. Everybody got a poster if you attended the event. You got a poster in the mail. Um, and then I tried to bring you in on uh, Camarena Tequila. I don't know if you remember that. They no. end up not, they pulled the plug on the whole thing. Yeah. But uh, but they wanted, um, they wanted to shoot some video content. And then I called, actually I called Marco and, and uh, you know, had you come down. And I remember that meeting because you walked in and like, just kind of off the top, just started throwing ideas out there, and the clients are like, "Oh, this is amazing!" Yeah, like, "Oh, we're going down to Mexico, and we'll shoot this town, and we'll." Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that was like ten years ago or something yeah, like it was that. About ten years ago. Yeah. Now they do it. Yeah. Now I seen a yeah, yeah. tequila commercial. They like shelved the whole thing, and then it came back later. I, they're doing all that shit that That's I was right. saying, like go down to Mexico, film them with the plants, yep. you know, the agave yep. plants, and. Everything that I said is like ten years later. There, there's guys doing sure. full blown commercials like that. I'm like, hey, well, if we would have done it back then, it would have worked. Yeah. You know, we see now. Yeah, yeah. So when you when you work with brands, what what is what is it that, that you, they need to understand about how to every how to be part of a culture? It's perfect. Every band or every brand, well, and band. Um, when they hire you as a creative, they are hiring for what you do, for what you like, for what you've put out into the world for people to see. Because I have 500,000 photos, mm -hmm. but probably only 20,000 of them have been seen in mm -hmm. the world. Mm -hmm. And those 20,000 are photos that I've chose to blow up and yeah. put out there. So what brands need to know when they hire you as a creative is they're hiring you for what you do and, and that's what they liked that's what yeah. they got you for yeah. and like I've what they, they tr some brands try to do is they hire you and then try to tell you how to do everything sure. yeah. and, and then it's like you're an employee you know yeah. you're not like a creative that they hired to come in and create something so there, like I had this, I did this one photo shoot for this uh, really cool street brand. They're friends of mine, and I had the like the creative 
uh, director or whatever of their company she was new mm -hmm. and the owner told me what kind of shots he needed and I was like okay cool he goes just get me the shots that you want to do that you, that you think we need and then we'll shoot other shit outside of that so I was like okay cool so like I'd be over there shooting this direction and the girl would be here and and like I'm there shooting with my camera shooting him mm -hmm. and she'd be like here shooting him with her phone right. and then I would look over at her and I'm like okay cool she's just getting like behind the scenes yeah. photos for and then I would finish shooting there and like like as I'm at the last like one or two shots that I'm gonna do from there to there she'd go hey what do you think about getting a shot here and I was like yeah sure uh, let me just finish doing these last two frames of the yeah. film and then I'll move over there with the new roll. And she did that to me like 10 times that day. And I told my, my boy who was the owner of the club, I go, homie, please, like, can you tell her to stop this? Like, yeah. I can't even, like, I was going to shoot from there anyways, yeah. but I'm just yeah. doing this and then I'll do this and then I'll do that and I'm not even going to do that, you know? But th this girl, like, trying to tell me all this shit is crazy, homie, like, it's not cool. He goes, uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ring her in, you know. Mm -hmm. And he, he told her, like, hey, let my man do his thing, you know. He, yeah, back he up knows up. what he's doing. That's why he, we hired him. Yeah. She's okay, okay, I get, it, I get it. And she's just, you know, trying to micromanage like every shot I was taking. That's sure. killing me. But you know, at the same time, you gotta be professional and you know, hold your tongue and yeah, and. That's why I just went to my friend. Thank God he was the owner. That's right. You know, because yeah. what would I have done if he wasn't the owner and she was the one that hired me? Sure. And she had me running around like a little idiot the whole day, you know. Shoot him from over here. Shoot him over there. Shoot him. You know, I was yeah. like, fuck, man. Well, they don't need you for that. Right. Just go she get Willie Lump Lump <laughs> with a camera and, right. and have him turn it on. Let like, go, yeah. Don't say you want an Esteban Oriol looking campaign and shit and then be telling me, you know. Right. roll around and do all this on the ground and it was like you know that's not then it's not my shit sure. you know yeah. so 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 with that and I know you have so many you know you have so many things going on between clothing work with brands as you said you know movies I'm sure there's a whole lot more um, how do you decide what to take on and what do you, what to say no to um well, the my bank account uh -huh. is one <laughs> thing fair. that decides for me because there's sometimes I'll do jobs that I would never do because yeah, it's called work. Right? But I, you know, I think like I could be, you know, stacking the shelves at you know Home Depot with a you know a right. pallet full of paint cans. You know, yep. shout out to those guys because that shit is hard work. Yeah, but I don't want to do it. You know. Yeah. So. If it's me doing something that I love to do, which is taking pictures and, you know, being creative, but I have to deal with people like that, that other lady mm -hmm. all day mm -hmm. and working with a corny brand that I don't like, you know, I'm, I'm halfway, you know, the glass, glass is half full, yeah. you know, I'm yeah. doing what I want to do, but I'm not doing what I don't want to do, right. you know, another kind of job. So yeah. I'm not, you know pounding nails like I was before, you know, doing tile work, you know. I love doing that shit mm -hmm. too, but I just get better money doing what I do when I do it, you know. Yeah. So 
I would say, uh, what was the question again? Oh, just, you know, how, how do you decide what oh, yeah, yeah. to get involved? So my bank account is one thing. Yep. And then the way that people talk about the project is the other thing. Okay. Like if somebody's telling me a bunch of weird shit, I'll be like, what date did you say that was? And they'll be like, yeah, it's October 15th. I'll be like, hold on, let me just. Yeah, Because yeah. if, if I ain't got shit to do, I'll do it. But if, if I'm out of town or something, I'll be like going through my, man, I got to be in Japan that day. That's right. Shit. Well, what day are you going to be there? Well, from the 10th to the 20th. And they'll be like, oh, it would have worked if it was like 15, 16, or 17. Been, man, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> shit. Well, you know, call me on the next one, you know? Yeah. And I never, they never call again, but, you know, there's, like, you kind of want to let people down easy sure, and be like, you know, you're corny, your brand is whack, right. you know? You don't want to say all that, so you just tell them, you know, a nice way, like, you know, I got something. Or or what I'll do is I'll find, I know people that are want to do jobs, they don't care. Uh -huh. I'll say, I can't do this yeah. job, but my friend can. For you. Yeah. yeah. But Trayvon will do it. Yeah. Trayvon will do it or you know whoever you know I'll get um, I've gotten a lot of people work like that sometimes the people are like oh no it's okay you know we'll find our own guy mm -hmm. but sometimes people will be like yeah that'd be great you know can you send us his website or nowadays it, you know his Instagram sure. and I've gotten a lot of people work like that Yeah. so you know it feels good like you know, maybe I didn't do the job or, you know, I was able to pass on it because uh -huh. I was doing good that month. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I helped the homie, you know, get a job and put Definitely. food on his plate, you Definitely. know, for his family and shit. Yeah. So you mentioned Instagram and, and you know, that's obviously shaped photography, has shaped our world that we live in. And I think we live in this time of, you know, everything is immediate whether yeah. it's news or definitely photos and you know you talk about paparazzi all of that right yeah and but you're kind of in you're starting in the opposite you're in the business of legacy because you're immortalizing people and and you know you're getting somebody buys a photo and hangs it up on the wall yeah that's gonna outlive you um how do you think about the legacy that you're creating um, I think it's it's turning out pretty good, you know. I got a lot of good shit, and um, I, I'm the way I'm working it is kind of like I'm just trying to get out there and like as much books and stuff like that as I can. Yeah. And because that's the way, you know, if you're if you want your legacy to be known, you gotta have it documented. Otherwise, like, you know, you don't want to be like that one lady where they found her, you know, photo archives 50 years later. She was a nanny oh, I don't going know. around taking pictures. Wow. And they found her, like, storage or something. Yeah. And she had been a nanny and took photos for all these years, like, she was street photos. Mm -hmm. She would walk the kids and do photos. Oh, that's cool. And it became a huge thing, huh. you know, like, oh, wow, we found this nanny's thing. Like, it was discovered, you know? Nice. And you know what's the chances of that you know so you got to do it while you're alive you mm -hmm. know do like to me like I used to be like when he when he met me I was like the simple guy I lived in an apartment it was $400 a month mm -hmm. 
in Hollywood. I did my daytime job, which is construction, you know, breaking my back, you know, painting, uh, varnishing wood, metal, you know, welding, all that kind of shit. And I'd be like exhausted. And then I'd go to the club and work nighttime, you mm -hmm. know, and then get up the next day and do all that shit all over again. And I was cool with just making a couple of G's a month to pay my bills. And that was it, yeah. you know, but then. Simpler times. Yeah, simpler times. And it was cool, but that whole building was full of those those people, you know, and so were all the buildings on the block. Yeah. And all the buildings on every other block, you know, that they just are cool with going to work, making enough to get their bills paid and their family fed. And then there's the other kind of like go-getter type people that you know LA attracts mm -hmm. that are that want to do more in the world you know and, and touring fucked me up in that way you know but it it helped me also you know sure. to I was you know me and Eddie live five-star lifestyles but we weren't the ones that were making the money you know we were going on the the big jet, you know, planes, flying yeah. first class and shit, business class. We were staying in five star hotels. We were eating the best food all over the world. And when you come home from that, and now you're not on tour for a month, but you have your paycheck, you're right. like, "Fuck, man, yeah. I want to go eat in those good places. I want to live a little bit, you know." That's right. And we come home and spend our paycheck on that, you know, like, you know, flossing a little bit, you know, because we, we had been exposed to it. Mm -hmm. So once I had traveled to, I traveled to 44 countries with the bands, mm -hmm. and once I had started traveling, I was hooked on it, you know, I wanted to see, like, more parts of the world. Yeah. And most of the, the fans at the shows would say, like, hey, you know, you guys are from the hood in L.A., you should come and see our hood and and uh i was like well i can't really bring the band into you know every hood of every right. city you know it's like right. you know I'm, i have to protect them and yeah. keep them safe you know so we have to go to the show tomorrow mm -hmm. but i would say me and eddie will go mm -hmm. and me and eddie or whoever i was with at those times would go into these you know we'd go into the favelas in brazil mm -hmm. into different hoods and different you know cities and kick it with the people and smoke weed and you know go drink and eat with them and see what it was really like that was some of the best That's times amazing. you know yeah of of my life yeah, yeah. and i've you know i did i would take photos when we'd go mm -hmm. but i wasn't going there to take photos right. i was going to you know hang yeah. out and kick it with the people and then i yeah. would just bust out my camera and get a few shots here and there but i i went on to keep doing that and traveling and and I've been to like 56 countries now, you know, on my own as a photographer. Amazing. So, you know, my goal is like to do half yeah. the countries in the world. It's like 190. So, you know, if I could get a half of the, that's wifey. <laughs> if I could get half of them under my belt before I pass, you know, I think that'd be pretty cool. That's incredible. Because I know some guys are they got you know all the money in the world they're trying to do it and I have sure. a little bit more than them. Yeah. 
And I'm like, man, that's crazy because, you know, you got you got the money. I was going because of work. Right. You know, somebody else was paying my ticket. I love that. Like, uh, it, it makes me think of, my man used to say, like, we, we make enough to live beyond our means. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I you know, it's a lot, though, you know. It's a lot of work. It's a lot sure. of hustling. It's a lot of, like, people think that, you know, because you're in a magazine or something, like they think, because I've done photos of, of like Eminem, say in a magazine, that I'm rich. Yeah, sure. That I can call him right. and tell him, "Hey, my friend Joey in Texas, <laughs> uh, he said you're playing a show tonight. Right. Can you give him and his family four tickets and give him VIP?" <laughs> like I'm like, you know, it right. don't work like that. Yeah, the magazine paid me a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. That shit was gone in two days. For sure. And I met Eminem for 15 minutes yeah. and did a photo shoot of him yeah. in five. Yeah. So, you know, what do you, you know, like, how does all this, <laughs> how do they think of that? Like, they saw it at home and thought of that. Right. And like, hey, fuck, Eminem's coming to our town this week. Sure. We needed to go to that concert. Yeah. Esteban shot him. I'm going to call him and ask him for tickets for me and my family to go to the show. Yeah. But, like, they went through all that. My wife does that all the time. She's like, can't you give me so-and-so tickets? Yeah. Yeah, but now we can, though. But now we can. I still tell her I can't. Who's coming in town? Uh, I don't know. I just ordered six tickets for the Mac Miller. uh, Oh, nice. When is that? So you got to kick it with Eddie. In a couple weeks at the Greek. See, Eddie doesn't know. I need some photos of him. Can you get me and my wife and my daughter? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> already, already ordered yeah, six tickets, man. You late. Yeah, you late. Exactly. You late. You late. Okay, I gotta ask you some uh, little lightning round before we get out of here. Uh-huh. Um, so you you mentioned travel. I'm a huge fan of travel. I think it changes yeah. your perspective on life. What uh, what's your favorite city to travel to? Um, my favorite cities are uh, Tokyo, mm. Brazil, or Rio. Yeah. In Brazil, um, Sao Paulo in Brazil. Um, Paris, London, Berlin, uh, Sydney, you know, more more like the bigger cities and yeah. some of these yeah. countries that um, have similarities to like L.A., you mm-hmm. know, of course, mm-hmm. New York, uh, Miami has a cool, you know, different vibe, that, you know, for, for yeah. America. And um, I love uh, Bangkok, mm. and Thailand. I got some, you know, cool people out there I kick it with. And I'd have to say, yeah, I mean, I've been, to, list. I've been to, you know, all the countries that, yeah. you know, people have heard of or whatever, all the continents. Mm-hmm. Some places were cool, you know, you just stop in and do the show and right, right, right. you eat and and leave You're like I don't, I don't the need to see day. that one again yeah. yeah or it's like you know you didn't get to right, you know right, right. you went you drove yeah. into that city just in time to do sound check sure. you eat dinner do the show break down the show and you drive to the next city and you're driving you know a lot of places that we saw were freeways yeah. on the bus yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, at nighttime, you know daytime and nighttime. I was last year I was working with Lincoln Park and we got this TV network wanted to do a travel show with them. Yeah. It was like, well, we'll follow them on tour and we can see all this. And I was like, so you don't know how touring works because yeah. they're, they're not hanging no out in the city that. for two days. They're not on vacation yeah. for two days and then go play a show. They see night. the venue in yeah. the hotel. That's right. 
and that's it. Yeah. Like the thing with like me and like Eddie or me and Mugs or yeah. uh, me and Alchemist is as soon as we touch down a city, we like tell the, the baggage guy like, hey, can you take the bags to our room and we'd smash out. Yeah. Let's go eat somewhere. Yeah. And this before the times when there was phones, like you couldn't yelp nothing. Right. So we would look in like phone books, yeah, yeah. record stores. <laughs> That's right. And, For the record uh, stores. Yeah, like yeah. we go sh- record shopping. And then like half the time, it's like you went to the wrong spot. Yeah, and then sometimes you come in these crazy fucking spots of this old man in this little city that yeah. had boxes of records. Like for we'd be there hours, sure, digging through boxes of records with fucking spider webs and dust on them. And he's like, "Yeah, I got a couple more in this room back here. Right. If you want to take a look, cause you know." Like Leor Mugs, Alchemist, yeah, yeah. they would just pick boxes of shit. Yeah. Just be like, here, this box. And the guy would be like, oh, shit, this guy's getting one box, two box, three box. Like, yeah, I got another room over here. And before you know it, we're like in his attic and remember, shit. Remember that time we were in Canada and the bus almost left us with House of Pain? Which one? Forgot where we were, but we kind of strolled off after the show and Eric went back to get ready and our stuff was already pre-packed because we yeah. wanted to go do something in Canada. And we're walking in... 30 degree weather and the bus drives right past us yeah. we're heading back to the hotel yeah. and we're no phones aren't working yeah, or something yeah, yeah. and they were like yeah. literally about to leave us and then three blocks later they stopped and they're like we're here Eric's like come now or we're leaving you remember of that course. yeah I remember there's a few times like that and like I'm I sure. mean imagine not having a phone like I mean, with you at all it's times un- it's unbelievable right like, you know we'd see the it's bus unbelievable blow, that we fuck. survived well the problem is our phone Without wouldn't phones. work there we had it yeah, it yeah. just we were in Canada yeah, so that's sure <laughs> It wasn't now. It was like we had the we had, didn't even have phones. We had the yeah the little flip. Oh, yeah, two way. Beam, oh, beam me up, Scotty. Yeah. Skytel. Yeah. Yeah. What? Who's your favorite DJ? Um, like performance wise, or yeah, or I like um the B Junkies. You know, like they came the other day to uh, the Beyond the Streets event. Mm-hmm. And it just, re- like, seeing all of them together just, re- like, made me feel like the 90s again and made me feel like, yeah. you know, this is this is why they are who they are. Yeah. And then I thought about, like, how the fuck aren't they bigger? Sure. You know, like, why aren't they, like, the Steve Aoki's and the, you know, Calvin Harris and the, uh, yeah. you know, those, why aren't they at that level yet? Mm-hmm. Not yet. I mean, mm-hmm. why aren't they at that level? Mm-hmm. Because there's definitely people that love that music, you know, and I don't know why that genre of music that those guys play in has such big crowds sure. that only the DJ needs to come, That's and they're right. the headliners. Yeah. Whereas, like or the flash drive. Yeah, like you watch the Beat Junkies, and yeah. you're just like, "Fuck, it's man! Incredible. Like this is so sick," you know. And you so see them going back and forth, and two guys to three guys, and mm-hmm. then like this guy comes over here and he's doing you're just like this is it this is DJing right here yeah like those other guys do DJing too because they get the sure. crowd hyped yeah. too but it's a different it's crowd a different and thing. I yeah, just, it's a different technique yeah I just different uh, science wish that 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 genre had a place like like those yeah, other yeah. guys you know Absolutely. where they could play in stadiums and you know get that vibe because I've been to EDC and film uh-huh. there mm-hmm and that shit is incredible it's to crazy, see right? like like you see those like when they're they put a song on a certain song and yeah. you hear like a girl singing like acapella mm-hmm. and everybody knows that song and then the beat kicks in and the whole fucking place 
Like it was at the Coliseum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was jam packed. And yeah. I was like, man, can you imagine if like like the beat junkies that did like a hip hop thing like this sure. big, how sick that would be? Yeah. But you know the city and everybody they get scared. Of like hip hop, violence, you know. Of course. The other one is like ecstasy and love and That's everybody's, right. you know, vibing out like that. Yeah. So like they don't know. Uh, they don't care is that the snapchat or what yeah one of those oh great thank you what's uh the last great book you read the last great book i read um i would say uh i haven't picked up a book in a long time i pretty much read everything on uh on my phone like news sure or articles that i like yeah but okay most of the books, the books that I get are um, photo books, and like I have a huge collection of photography books. Is there a photographer that's influenced your style the most? Not really, okay. but they there's a lot of photographers that I respect and think that they're the shit, you know. Sure. But my whole thing is, is the era I come from is like no biting, yeah. like you don't copy people's yeah. shit. You're original. And if you did some shit like somebody else was, you're like in hip hop. Where's a sucker? You yeah. know, like and <laughs> That's I ain't trying to be no sucker free. Sucker. Yeah, sucker free. Sucker free. That's right. But um, what movie have you seen the most in your life? I would say uh, I'd have to say some like um, probably like Taxi Driver mm -hmm. or Goodfellas. Or uh, you know those that genre that that era. Sure. I watched a lot of movies like you know I seen Scarface probably like twenty times, but now I just notice all kinds of shit about it. I'm just right. like, man, why didn't they do this or yeah, that? Yeah, you know. Yeah, but sure. when you go back to watch Taxi Driver, yeah. And like Goodfellas like that, you don't see nothing where you're like masterpiece. You know, yeah. You just say that's fucking sick. For sure. Like the shining. Yeah. Um, one that flew the cuckoo's nest. Yeah. You know, all those type of movies I could go watch today. Yeah. And just love it. Just Definitely. Like, you know, that's a fucking movie right there. Tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Um the day that Muggs asked me to tour manage House of Pain. Because yeah. I was doing construction and working at like I was in my early 20s like what would I have done yeah you know I didn't want to be the 40 50 year old doorman and I didn't want to be the you know 50 year old guy you know fucked up skin from mm -hmm. doing construction for 20 mm -hmm. years either so at that point I told uh, I think it was Brent Bolthouse mm -hmm. and my my construction boss Zerga I was like hey man these guys want me to go on this thing just for the summer you know but I don't want to go unless I, I know I can come back to work, you know, because yeah. it was for no pay. It was only expenses. Yeah, yeah. So Zergo, my construction guy, was like, Psh, you got a job with me anytime. Like, you know, you're my hardest worker. Nice. And Brent Bolthouse and them said the same thing, you know, like, mm -hmm. man, you know, you're our guy. Like, all those, all that type of clubs, they, you know, I was respectful to everybody. I had fun with everybody, but, you know, I could still hold it down to where people wouldn't just 
walk on through. You yeah. Know? Um, so if I worked for you, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Um, let's see, I would probably be a think before you think, or like uh, Zerger taught me, uh, you know, like I'd be like, well, what am I supposed to do, you know, right here with this? And he goes, well, I don't know, fucking be smarter than the wood. <laughs> you know, and I'd be like, this motherfucker, cocksucker, you know? And I'd look at the thing, and I'd be like, oh, how stupid, you know? Like, of course. Right. And I'd go grab the sandpaper and start, you know, yeah, doing what I got to do or, you know, build what I had to build at that time. But he fucked me up with the, those little sayings sometimes. That's great. Be smarter so, than the wood. So t sometimes I tell him, like I... Like, um, like my assistant, you know, sometimes they go, I think that, you know, and they come out with this way out dumb shit that mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, fuck, man. I go, can you do me a favor? And they're like, what? I go, can you think before you think? And I go, that that shit is dumb as fuck. Yeah. Like, don't tell me that kind of dumb shit. I waste my time. You're wasting your time even. Yeah. They're like, what do you mean? And then I tell them, like, I repeat what they say, and I'm like, how about this way? Don't you think this would work better? And they're like, that's why you're the boss. <laughs> you know, and, uh, thank you. But um, like, I'm just cool, you know, have fun with everybody I work with. Like, yeah. it sounds like, you know, being a dick, but like, there's all the other, you yeah, know, the other 25 hours in the day. Sure. Yeah, we're having fun. That's right. You know, we're going to eat good food. Yeah. We're, you know, looking at cool shit all day. Yeah. So, like sometimes I just get frustrated. I just have to, you know, smash on them a little bit. But most of the time, they're having a good time. And yeah. like my my one assistant, he used to be like, "Yeah, I'm tired or I feel weird." Or this I go, "Oh, poor you! You flew to fucking Japan, the business class, and you're in a five star hotel. Wah wah wah! You know, like." Shut the fuck up, man. <laughs> and they're like, okay, okay. You know, they they yeah, like they like it, but but at the same nah, time, we all need that sometimes. Like reset your perspective. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah, because you know, like I was when I was raised, it was like the men were like men. Yeah. You know, like if you like whined or complained or you did any weird shit like that, they'd just be like, man. Sh the fuck where did you come from that's you right. know because i always worked with on construction yeah, type yeah, places yeah. or on uh, fishing boats you know for 12 13 hours a day you yep. know smell like a fish and fucking they did not want to hear no complaining bullshit. yeah yeah they're like oh you're you're sick you're tired yeah okay good grab that um, brush over there and then just clean the sides of the boat from the front to the back the 40 feet there and then when you're done just if you could just scrub a <laughs> thing with some bleach so that you know we don't have the fish smell right. and I go oh god you know, I, thought, I thought I just said I was tired and I didn't feel good this motherfuckers making me scrub the whole boat you know but that's how when keep I grew up keep your nose down and, and grind or else right. you're going to get extra tasks yeah <laughs> shut up that's and a great lesson no go with the flow you won't complain next time we could all learn a little bit of that yeah, yeah. Sure. all you gotta do is sure. go work on a boat or a construction site you or go on the road with you get this demo yeah man thanks for doing this with us incredible stories I love hearing yeah, right. your journey appreciate it yep thank you
Yo, that was Esteban Oreo on Rebel Radio, Artwork Rebels, Eddie Donaldson, Gorilla One. Shout out to everybody. Uh, why don't you leave us a comment on our iTunes or hit us on Twitter or Facebook. Everything is at Rebel Radio Net. You can check out videos of a lot of our episodes on our YouTube page at Rebel Radio Net. And most importantly, come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.